So before I get begin, let me give you a bit of uh, update on what's going on with us. Uh, Jane finished her doctorate and she's uh, doing what she always wanted to do, which is uh, doing counseling. And uh, she has a 40-hour week of seeing people that come to her with all of their problems. So I'm glad she's happy doing that. It's definitely not something that I would like to do. So uh, she's blessed with it, and so we're honored. And she sends her love and her greetings to you this morning. She's actually serving uh, at the church that we are volunteering at, which is the Garden in Bakersfield, California, which is 10 hours away from us here. So uh, nine hours from Tucson, but 10 hours from Rio Rico. So, yeah, it is a haul. Um, I'm actually going to be driving all the way back to Bakersfield straight after the service. So... Uh, we'll do whatever we can until we get under underway there. I did bring some of the latest books that I wrote. I don't know if you are interested in them, but I want to encourage you, if you want to grow in life, you're going to have to read as a believer. You're going to have to read. Uh, a and you never realize that you need what you need until the day comes. Uh, you know, Paul talks about it in the book of Ephesians, right at the end of uh, Ephesians, is that you may stand firm in the evil day. Uh, every day has enough problems of its own, but there's a particular day uh, that comes in life that is known as the evil day, which is a time when everything seems to have conspired against you. And at that point, uh, you're going to have to dig deep and draw from what's inside of you. And so the word of the oath is obviously it's a commentary on the book of Hebrews, and the obedience of faith is a commentary on the book of Romans. And I'm currently uh, hard at work <coughs> wasn't that was not my intention that's just how that turned out uh, they made the covers my son drew made design helped design the covers with a friend of his and they designed it as a series so here we go so right now I'm I'm busy doing Galatians Ephesians Philippians and Colossians and we are going to title it the working title for it is the first century gospel and um, so uh, I'm hard at work at that and I believe that uh, it's going to be a blessing to everybody that's concerned. This year, uh, I plan to travel uh, to Mexico. There's a strong possibility of me going and planning a church in Mexico. Uh, not a, not a Spanish-speaking church, an English-speaking church uh, among retirees near the region in Guadalajara. There's a lot of uh, American and, ca and uh, Canadian retirees that live there in the area. So in conjunction with Dr. Leon von Royen, that's some of the things that are being spoken about. Uh, there is a very successful and large uh, Spanish church that is working together with him, and uh, that's nearby. And so I actually met the pastor now in January, and we chatted just briefly. But there's uh, there's there's an opportunity for that to happen. That means everything's going to change for us, and uh, I can't do that to Jane at this moment in time. So I'm not really sure how it's all going to work out, but uh, we still are powering on and determined to do what God called us to do and uh, to give it everything we got so that we're not going to rust away, but we're going to burn up for Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So uh, I'm glad to be here this morning. I know that the word is going to work inside of you, and uh, it's a powerful thing, and I'm trusting God uh, to really encourage you, build you up, strengthen you, and uh, speak to you this morning. So Father, thank you. We want to surrender ourselves to the truth that you love us, that you're for us and not against us, that you know the plans that you have for us and that those are for blessing and for increase and for goodness to be able to be showered upon us. And thank you, Father, for working that in us. 
Lord, we refuse to look at anything else but Jesus, because it is from you and through you and to you that all things belong. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to stick my glasses on so I can read the fine print. Sorry. Uh, at the age of 58, I still have issues with my eyes uh, to go ahead and see all the small stuff that I have written. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to speak to you this morning out of uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have a Bible or an electronic version of the Bible, do go ahead, turn there. Uh, you may want to make some notes. Uh, I am <coughs> eager to give you uh, what God has laid on my heart. I've been working on this for some time. <coughs> and uh, so uh, I believe that God is going to continue to touch your life through it. So Ephesians is really about God's dream and desire for us. It really is about how God thinks about us. It's the thoughts of God on printed paper so that when we read it, we can think God's thoughts. In fact, while we're reading the Word of God, we're sharing the thoughts of God. Uh, God's thoughts are becoming our thoughts. And when we think like Him, we act like Him. And so that's why the Word is so important in our lives. Because not only does it change the way we think, which is important. Because how many of you know the way we think is not always the right way? It's too easy for us to get bent out of shape. It's too easy for us to project onto God the attitudes we have in our own heart. I want to let you know this morning that God's not frustrated. God's not bent out of shape. And God's not angry at you right now. He's not in a bad mood. Of course, there's, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, lot of room for misunderstanding. 
so I don't want to have any misunderstanding this morning. I want to make it as clear as I know how to make it. And I want you to know that the intention is for God to, to encourage you. Some people say, well, you can't be nice to everybody all of the time. Really? God is nice to everybody all of the time. When we get angry at each other and get bent out of shape at each other in the church and we, we hammer and out of shape, we begin to subconsciously be speaking to ourselves the idea that God thinks of me out of my place and not how he thinks of me. The reality is we can't stop God from being and desiring to be with us. We really can't. We can't do it. Back in the old days when you talk about the hound of heaven, and it referred to the Holy Spirit coming to touch people's lives. We were living in abject sin and just living in the lowest possible kind of life. And God would just continue to say softly, draw them to me. He desires that. The idea of getting saved is not our idea that we are trying to convince God to save us. It's God's idea, and he's convincing us to accept salvation. So we don't have to talk God into anything. God doesn't need to be prayed into anything. He doesn't need to be served into anything. He doesn't need to be given into anything. Uh, We we can't do any of those things. The religious mind always sees a debt unpaid. But the saved mind always sees every sin debt paid in full in Jesus Christ. The religious mind always sees it's never enough. I didn't pray enough. I haven't fasted enough. I haven't read enough. I haven't done enough. And it's all me, 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 me. That is not a conscious thing towards Jesus Christ. You know the book that uh, I wrote called uh, the, the um, uh, God Has Love for Me book? It really didn't sell well because the title is really inappropriate. They, they missed the point that a, the pastor, God has. So I had to rewrite the, the title. So we have a working title, so they rewrite the title. Uh, it was also like the other one, which was... Uh, such a great salvation. Nobody read it because they thought, I'm already saved. I don't need to read it. So we changed the title to The Gospel of Identity. Now everybody wants to read it. In fact, we have some of the churches initiating new people into the church for what they're doing. So I'm glad. So I'm rewriting the title for God Has Love for Me again to Christ-Centered Gratitude. Because I think that if people have a Christ-Centered Gratitude, it's a better way to begin to understand more of how God actually operates. Jesus is the central focus of all of everything. And so religion says we've never done enough and the real faith says Christ is more than enough. Uh, religion says we never f- uh, we've ne- it's never e- it's never been paid, we never worked hard enough, we never labored enough, we haven't loved enough, we haven't done any of those things enough, 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 enough. But, uh, but the gospel says more than enough. Uh, religion is not enough, the gospel is more than enough. So over and over again, this is the thing that we need to get. Now, that, that doesn't mean we don't do work, but it's, we're not doing work in order to earn favor. We're doing work because we are in favor. Uh, when the angel greeted Mary, you'll forgive me, I'm going too fast. But when the angel greeted Mary, he said, Hail, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. And the, the Bible says she was troubled in her heart at that kind of a greeting. And you know, when I read that, I think, well, why would she be troubled at the, the proclamation that highly favored one, the Lord is with you? She was troubled. And I think the reason she was troubled was she expected that that couldn't possibly be true. How could God call her a highly favored one? And how would he, under, how would he be able to say he was with her? Because in her upbringing and in the way that she understood herself, she just didn't quite get it. 
So I'm glad that we are qualified. And when we have to qualify, surely we need Harry Pickering to lead us, right? Amen. Not trying to get qualified this morning. Not trying to do better. Not trying to get somewhere. I know that I am somewhere. And where is that somewhere? I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. There's no better place to be. Can't improve on the position. Can't make that position uh, more favored. Can't make it better uh, in any single way. And I realize that, you know, there's a lot of people uh, that are saying all kinds of things. But every time I read the scripture, I just realize, you know, it doesn't matter what man has to say. It really doesn't matter what I have to say. And uh, people can look at the time. I see you've added all the sins of the world. It doesn't matter what the sins of the world. We'd have to take up the sacrifice that Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross. We'd have to give up on that. We'd have to say, well, you know, that was a vain attempt. That was foolish. That definitely avoid happening. And no, I, it was a nice thought, but it didn't work, so I'm going to take it back to God. The reality is it works. It can't be undone. It can't be, it can't be overwhelmed by the failure and the sin of the world. The worst failure in the world is no further from salvation than the greatest success. Uh, it takes the same amount of grace to save a little two-year-old child as it does to save a 67-year-old Parkinson's syndrome. It doesn't require more of Jesus to get saved at two years of age than it does to get saved at a much later uh, stage of life. The need is exactly the same. And the need is to have life because we are dead without him. Amen? So that's uh, what I'm trying to say this morning. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, just to give you a bit of perspective over here, <coughs> sometimes people say, well, we've got to read the Gospels because that's really the original uh, thing. But no, this is the original because the Gospels are written much later than the epistles of Paul. So when Paul is writing here, he's writing what was needed by people who had no religious background at all. So instead of giving him them the Old Testament to bring them up to speed, he simply just gave them Jesus. He doesn't go into any of the details of it. So, uh, you know, we have the idea that somehow, well, I, I need to have a look at all of that. And, and he uses terminology that only Paul uses. He uses Christ Jesus, not Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Because all of the other disciples knew Jesus Christ because they met the man Jesus and then found out that he was the Messiah, the promised one, the hope of Israel, and the one that was going to bring everybody back together. Paul uh, did not meet him as that. He met him as the resurrected Christ. And he said, uh, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So uh, he, found, he met him first as the Messiah, the resurrected one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then was introduced to the fact that, yes, he was, in fact, the man Jesus. And so Paul says, well, he writes here, he says here, the apostle, uh, an apostle of Christ Jesus, <coughs> by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. You know, in the Catholic Church, in order to be a saint, uh, you have to, first of all, be dead. You have to have finished your life. And then you have to, have, you have to perform two miracles after your death. So this is the uh, this is the idea. Now I'm not really sure how that comes about. Uh, I've been reading a lot of things because I've been working part time as an undertaker uh, for a, a, a local funeral uh, company in in uh, Bakersfield, and I've been doing a lot of Catholic funerals, <coughs> probably because the undertakers are Doshi, O'Meara, and 
management or something like that. I forget the exact name. So there's there's so many Irish Irish names in that that we have to be careful. You know. So anyway, um, and I've been picking up pamphlets and stuff, and I'm just shocked at the level of ignorance that is out there. There really is a lot of ignorance. And what we do is we want to show people truth over and over lovingly, lovingly. serpent and as harmless as doves. The problem in the church is that most people are seen as harmless as serpents and as wise as doves. And uh, that is not harmless at all and that's not wise at all. And uh, so he wrote God gave and God took. And I thought, you know, I, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> and, and the second part is in God, no loss is permanent. Every loss church thought the way that God thinks about himself and about the other people in the church. It'd be one thing to apply truth to yourself. It's another thing to see, hey, if truth to me is truth to them too, then uh, there wouldn't be any argument. In fact, we would be so much like Jesus. Uh, we'd be, this would be the place to come. This would be the place to be. We would be the people of compassion. We would be the people of fantastic because this would be the greatest and most exciting place where we could ever be. saints that's everybody and a saint is a holy one right remember there's only two kinds of people in the world saints and ain'ts you either is or you isn't it's as simple as that if you're saved you're a saint <laughs> say well you know i don't know how saved they are saved is not by degree you know if you jump across the chasm and you miss it by an inch you're not more saved than the person who missed it by five feet you're both dead. Saved is you made it, right? Uh, saved isn't I sort of made it. I kind of wish I'd made it. Or if I'd just given it a little bit extra push, I would have made it. No, you either are or you're not. It's as simple as that. It's, it's binary. It's either a one, it's a yes, or a zero. It didn't, it's not a, it's not, it didn't happen, okay? And it's as simple as that. So salvation is binary in the Bible. It's not, there's no other options. It's either one or it's the other. The way to get saved is simply to believe that Jesus is more than enough and to keep on believing that for the rest of your life. That's the foundation of it and nothing else. And people think the way to get saved is to believe that Jesus is more than enough and be a nice person and go through all of the motions and do everything else. Nah, Jesus doesn't need your help. He didn't need your help before you got saved. to the draw, but thank God we are what, what God says we are. Amen. Uh, and then he says, faithful. 
How many know that we're faithful? Well, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not so full of faith. Maybe we're full of unbelief. Maybe we're unbelief, unbelief full instead of faith full. Maybe we're in misgiving full instead of trusting full. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a weird place. And, and that's pretty much what happens, right? Because not the saints are saints. Uh, but God wants us to be faithful. And what does he want us to be faithful to? He wants us to be faithful to who we are, uh, which is Jesus Christ living inside. He wants us to be faithful to that, and we're not always faithful to that. I wish I could stand here and say to you, unequivocally, every single day of my life, every moment of my life, I'm faithful to the understanding of the one who lives inside of me, and I'm giving faithful expression to him, and I'm not deviating from his attitude, his thoughts, his desires for my life. I wish I could say that. I can't. <coughs> it's not because I'm claiming perpetual failure for my life, nor is it because I'm claiming that Jesus is somehow not able to deliver. It's a, just a reality that my brain is not always where it needs to be. Amen? And when your brain is not where it needs to be and you engage your mouth, then you start saying things with your mouth that you should not be saying. Amen? Or you start doing things with your body that you should not be doing because it's not a true reflection of who you truly are. It's a manifestation of something wrong with your head. Amen. Because there's nothing wrong with Christians. It's just the way they think. Amen. There's nothing wrong on the inside. It's just what's going, it's what's between your two ears that's making the problem. So the adjustment is the adjustment in our understanding. It's the adjustment in our conviction. It's the adjustment in the level of our persuasion and the focus that we have in our lives. And the enemy wants to steal your focus. He don't want you to think about Jesus. He wants you to think about what a rotten person you are. He wants you to think about what everybody else said that was rotten. He wants you to think about how they let you down, how they weren't there for you, how they didn't measure up, how they weren't anything, the disappointments that you've experienced. Enemy wants anything else, the myriad of other things. Think on those things. But what does the scripture say? Whatever things are pure, whatever things are just, whatever things are lovely, uh, it says, be ye virtue, be ye praise, sing to Isaac. He didn't say whatever's wrong with the world. Now, please don't, don't get me wrong. I, I understand church is very political at the moment. And, it, and, it, and it goes through the cycles and things like that, conflict and things like that. But, uh, but we are not going to solve the world's problems with politics. If politics were the answer, the world would have been solved a long time ago. What we are discovering is that politics isn't the answer. But what we know for certain is that Jesus is never going to win that war. And I'd rather preach Jesus personally than anything else because I don't want to preach an inadequate message. I want to preach a complete message. Jesus is a complete message. He influences everything in, in your life. Muslims say Christianity is incomplete because it doesn't give you a list of all the things that you have to do. And to them, that's a complete religion. So I said, no, here's the real list that needs to happen. If you let God come and live inside of you, he does all of those things. If you don't have to teach him to do that. God knows what he, what he knows to do. Amen? It's the same. And, and so if my body is the glove and my hand is God himself, then once I put the hand into the glove, once I put God back into the process, then God will be faithfully through me. If I put my head removed, will be faithfully through me, whatever he's able to do, the way that he does it all the time, and that's a whole lot to explain. Amen. What does it take? Praying longer. 
begging and pleading God to bless me, giving more. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. In fact, you should. But I'm not buying something that I've got. <coughs> you don't earn it. You can't make it. It is available to you. And what did my, my mind instantly fill out with? What a novel thought. Real Christianity happens when my mind is fixed on Jesus. Real Christianity happens when Jesus Christ is Lord. Not my past is Lord. Not my miserable kids are Lord. Not, not the bad attitude of my friends or the people around me is Lord of my life. You know, that means if they're not running my life, but unfortunately that's not always true, correct? Some days somebody else's attitude is Lord in my life and not the one who loves me and came and saved me. Some days I'm just miserable at the moment. Some days if I had power, I would have caused problems. a prayer that goes, God, give me patience, because if you give me, if you give me power, I'm going to need some bail money. <coughs> the reality of it is that it, God not only, not only has given us the life of God, he's given us power to have it out for us. And how does that power get released? It gets released through faith. It gets released through faith. It gets released. You, you, can, you can know about it and keep on forgetting about it, or you can keep it in the center of your heart. Is the word that you say. Bind it to yourself and remind yourself every single moment of the day. Uh, just as it says in the Old Testament, write it on the door, put it everywhere, cast your mind on it. Jesus is the one who does it. It's not you who does it, it's Jesus. Remind yourself every single moment of the day. Real victory happens when you understand we are dead. He is dead. You don't have to be more dead than you are. Dead is dead. How many of you are dead is binary? One, you are. Zero, you're not. Right? It's not like, well, it's mostly dead. That's the princess bride. That's not true life. Okay? Mostly dead. Nope, that's not it at all. You either are dead or you're not. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you're dead. You don't exist anymore. It's not about you anymore. Hallelujah. <coughs> okay. I'm carrying on. Verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know that if we hear about grace, and grace is everything that God did for you? If I preach grace to you, what happens? You start having faith. That's why when you're listening to this, you already know it. You say, man, I'm enjoying this, but I know it. Why am I enjoying something I already know? Because it's stirring faith up inside of you. It's getting stronger. Amen? Now, people, some, some people say to me, man, I wish I could say it the way that you say it. I said, you absolutely can. Well, said, well, no, I, I, I try to say, no, stop telling yourself you can't say it. You preach for yourself. The best livers are the best preachers. Because if you can keep reminding yourself on a daily basis of these fundamental things, you'll live the life that God has called you to live. L let me give you a little secret here. It's not how much of the Word of God that you are able to read in any given day that's really going to help with your walk. It's just disciplining yourself to keep on reminding yourself of who it is that's written in the Word. The early church didn't have private copies of the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be reading the Word. <coughs> and if anybody comes to me and says, no, nah, I, really, I, I, I don't really read the Word. I'm just going to slap you right there. You may as well duck when you say it. Because I'm just going to slap you. 
why would God give me this when you treated this investment? That would be silly. That's like saying, eh, don't really need it. I want to see your life. Because if you don't need the Bible, you must be doing something wonderful. And I doubt that. Just, just call me a doubter in this, in this area. In this case, I'm not faithful. Uh, I, I don't believe one second that you are doing good. In fact, when people tell me, I have these problems and these problems, and I tell them, how much of the word have you got in your life? Well, you know, I've been neglecting. I, I haven't really read the Bible. I, people don't even take their Bibles to church anymore. They don't read them at home. You know, they don't even read them in church. So anyway, preaching grace is what stirs faith inside of your heart. That's why Paul always uses grace and faith rightly in connection there. Because when I preach grace, it draws my faith up. And we are righteous through faith. And I become a child of God. And then I have joy on my face. Amen? When you preach grace and peace here, you can preach all of that. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, there's a translation that simply says that uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given to us every blessing that heaven itself can bring. Because that's what we intend to bless. It sounds complicated. I know reading through this in, ro- in a commentary on this particular thing, it sounds complicated, but you know what he's saying? He's simply saying to you that if you've got Jesus, you have the whole blessing of heaven. And it's not that you're going to get the blessing of heaven, right? Because either you got Jesus or you don't got Jesus. Binary, right? Either you have or you haven't. But well, I got some of Jesus. Do not divide. Well, I got most of Jesus. Well, I, I, I need more of Jesus. It doesn't come by installments. You, you, you don't get weekly bits. You know, he's, he's not like the COVID vaccine where you got to keep on having more of it to get what you didn't get in the first place because you never got enough of it to begin with. You know, Jesus is more than enough. Hallelujah. He's not the partial. He's not the temporary. He doesn't wane with time. Well, you know, I, 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 got, a, I got a bit of him, but yeah, yeah, another dab will do me. You know, give me, give me, hit me, hit me again. Hit me, hit me, hit me. Sounds like a Frank Black guy. Anyway, um, so just hit me with another. I just need another, I need another hit of Jesus. You know, kind of Jesus kind of wearing off. You are head is wearing off. Right? What's going on between your ears is wearing off. Jesus isn't wearing off. You have become slow. Don't be spiritually retarded. Come on. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Um, slow to believe all that is written to you in the prophets. So basically, how come you guys are so retarded? You're slow. You're so slow to grab a hold of this. You're not even going where you're supposed to be. What's happening with that? What's going down with that? You really think that it wasn't true what I spoke to you and what I've done? Okay. So blessed be God. <laughs> we bless God because he blessed us. Amen. That's what that that's why we say I'm blessing you father because I know I'm a recipient of that. God be blessed who has blessed us. That's what it says. In fact, blessed to be a blessing is what it's all about. Amen. Cuz God not only blessing you for you, 
and you're blessed to be blessed and blessed to be blessed to be blessed to be oh I'm so blessed I'm so blessed great is anybody else is anybody else getting blessed too no then you're not acting like God see God God's out to get other people blessed God's one of those things you know you know I really need blessed let me know God can bless me I need some more blessed I need some more God can bless me this morning, man. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we, we, we can fill up. Thank God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Okay, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every heavenly, every. That means there's nothing that you don't have. Oh, I don't feel like I got it. Well, there's a problem. <laughs> You'll figure that out. It's not what you got. See, the problem is that we want to check with the flesh confirm the promise that we hear. So when we hear blessed, we check it. Do I feel blessed? I just feel whole. I don't feel blessed at all. Or I feel like my life's miserable. My life sucks. You could say all of those kinds of things and you're basing it based upon the stuff that's going on around you. Because even when you receive Jesus, isn't everything around you supposed to go better? No. Because the solution's not around you. The solution is in you. The provision of God is not to make, man, if, if everybody could just get it together, my life would be better. You know, the reason why my life sucks is I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who suck. And if I could just have less sucky people around me, man, my life would be wonderful. Your life would suck just the same. Because the reason why your life sucks is because you think suck. Bad miserable, sad the whole time. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. You are not, they're not the Lord of your life. Can you say amen to that? You're not the Lord of your life. You don't run my, you don't decide my future. You don't decide, you can try and stop me, but it ain't going to work. Because you may push me down, but I'm the eternal. He can't push, he can't keep me down. I'm part of the resurrection. I'm a son of the resurrection. And you can't keep me down. Hallelujah. I was born when Christ was raised from the dead. I'm, 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 I'm made of overcoming stuff. I'm made of incorruptible stuff. Incorruptible means living and abiding the word of God. I got incorruptible things on the inside. It doesn't matter how nasty you are. Your nastiness, no matter how nasty, is not going to affect my goodness, no matter how little I may understand the things going on in my life. Hallelujah. I have what it takes. I've got what I need. Just as he chose us in him. So the blessing is he chose us. How many know God chose you? Hallelujah. Isn't it good to know God chose? Can you see that's in the power point? God chose you. God's not trying to make up his mind on you. I wonder if I can achieve this. doesn't say God chose you, but now you're unchosen. There's no unchosen thing in the Bible, okay? God wants to save the absolute bottom line. Not everybody's willing to take that chance. Those that lose, lose out are, aren't losing out because God doesn't want them. Oh, I don't think God wants you. I know God wants you. 
Do you think and I always respond with no, I know. And she said, This is the stupid thing. So I, I don't have to think about it. Uh, because I think what he said I already know what he said and what he said was not true. And what is there to learn? Is there what's there to learn? And God shows us in his wisdom. In other words, God already designed everything that he intended for us to learn in the design for our lives and in his revealing purpose as he sees fit. He designed us before the foundation of the world. In other words, before a single problem of yours came along, the solution was already there. The solution predates the problem. In other words, when the problem showed up, it was too late. It couldn't be a problem because the solution was already there. So in other words, the, the problem didn't catch God off guard. The solution caught the problem off guard. Okay? And so we understand that it's done before the foundation of the world, that we should be, not become, but that we should be what? Holy and blameless. God chose us to be holy and blameless. God didn't choose us to work hard or trying to be holy and blameless. He chose us, and the, the reason, the cause or the effect of his choosing is that we're holy and blameless. That is the effect of the choosing. At no point in this is he saying, hey, you got to work at being more holy and more blameless and more of the other. No, he said, you are holy and blameless. Just be faithful to it. Be faithful to it. I met a lot of unfaithful Christians. I've met a lot of Christians who don't even know that they're holy and so they're living like a life of duty. Right? I've met a lot of Christians who don't know that the joy of the Lord is their strength and that that that, that, that Christ in them is the hope of glory and that there's joy on the inside of them. And so they live like they've been baptized in lemon juice for the rest of their days. They're all puckered up, their lips and everything, and and they're miserable. You know what? Let me just say this to you. If you fail... Get up and trust God. If you're a believer and you're in difficulty, get up and trust God. There isn't any other way to live in victory. Just get up and trust God. Don't sit there and say, well, I'm so disappointed. I'm so run down. I'm so powerless. I'm so full of all of It doesn't matter what's going on. Just get up and trust God. You blew it. Big, fat deal. Get up and trust God. Amen. God's not slapping, God's not face palming us this morning. Saying, oh, can't say my God because we all have our God. But anyway, you come across those things and read them and you read shows us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. He chose us before the foundation of the world. His choice, not yours. Nachos, right? It's his, nachos. It's his choice, not your choice, right? Uh, and verse 5, he did that predestined the Father in accordance with his will. It is a big word here. He predestined us to be adopted as sons. He designed us beforehand. That's what predestined means. Some people think that predestined means that God has already made up his mind and he's already doing all of your favorite things. Some people have this idea. They believe 
understand what is going on and that's really um, the problem with God. That is, everything that happens with God is based basically on God. Everything that goes on in your life, you have nothing to do with it, it's all God. And so the reason why I have such a thing is because God is not responsible. No, the reason why things are wrong in your life is because you made the sun to tell you, don't be blaming God, right? And it's like, well, I believe that everything that happens is the will of God. Well, I believe you're stupid. And I wish that you would get your, uh, get your head in order with that. Because everything that happens is not the will of God. Now, this unlimited sovereignty, we believe in ultimate sovereignty, where God will ultimately take charge again of everything. But right now, he's giving us the opportunity to make space for him and make dumb choices, make more dumb choices, make some more dumb choices. Finally, we get tired of being dumb, and we're tired of being stupid, and we say, I just don't like my life the way it is. And God says, well, great, come and take the life I've given you to live and live that life. Don't try and live your life. Don't try and live in what you've done. Live in what he's given you. Take hold of that and then live that. So uh, predestination, some people say, well, predestination, God, every, everything that happens in my life happens for a reason. This is that you can talk to anyone. They don't even know the word predestination. Actually, what they're what they're talking about is exactly the same as people that believe in predestination. I mean, about ten percent of Christianity believes in this idea that God chooses some people to be chosen and chooses other people to get exiled. And that's not how it works. So, if you're chosen, you have to say you're chosen. You must have you must come to church. You must read your Bible. You must you must pray to God and ask Him. Not worry about it. You just beg the question, why do people that are being saved bother me about Jesus when they're making a choice? So let's just live any old way we wish, we wish and do any old thing we want to do. But the reality it is God chose you, but he wants you to choose him. Amen? All right. Let's go. Here's a funny one. Why, why, do, we, why do we need to get into the ocean? The reason is because the ocean carries back underlying vertebrae so that you lose your balance. And what does the scripture say? Don't throw away your confidence because you lose balance. So when you're throwing it away, it's getting tight. You don't want to think about it. Take it out. So predestination, decision is fatalism. Ah, whatever happens, happens. Unavoidable. Would have happened anyway. That what it was meant to be. Boom. I believe everything that happens, happens for a reason. Yeah, sometimes the reason is you're stupid and you make dumb decisions. That's the reason why. But what people try to say is, well, that ha bad thing happened in my life, but that's what God wanted to do. You have to use that to do, now, whoa, God can use it, but he doesn't have the force. Amen? Now, I'm not saying God can't use it. In fact, I know God can use it. In fact, God doesn't waste a single one of our our stupid our stupid moments doesn't waste a single one of them in working things for good in our life because we love him and we're called according to his purpose. Amen? That's the requirement. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you love him? Do you know you're called according to his purpose? Yes. 
We know those things. And so they'll work for us for good. Amen? Now, it doesn't say God causes everything. It says God causes everything to work together for good. I believe everything that happens is because God wanted it to happen that way. No, that's not true. The reality is that there's plenty that, that happens. Uh, the casting of six million Jews is not the will of God. But people who say everything that happens is the will of God. Here's the problem with everything that happens being the will of God. Number one, you don't have to pray for direction in it because God's going to do it no matter what. So you don't have to say, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Why bother about it? Because all of that's going to happen. That's just an unnecessary wrestling and prayer. You don't have to pray it. And then the other thing is, is heaven, if God's called you, he's going to make sure that things happen for good because it's the will of God. The will of God is the very opposite of sinning. But if everything that happens is the will of God, then there is no sin in the world. There's a lot of other things that can happen in the world. But the thing that happens for adoption, now adoption is not the same as being treated as adopted. I believe that you don't have a child from one parent and then
manner the truth but he himself according to the kind intention of his will hallelujah kind intention god has kind intentions though not bad intentions oh i'm gonna punish you i'm gonna do some really miserable will for you you're gonna have so much misery in your life i'm just gonna it's a curse that way
think that this is a good compromise to accept. Let's go ahead and do it. Keep his fingers, but we are equal. Faithful and trusting. Amen? All right. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Let it work inside of us. Lord, let it be the joy, unquenchable and full of joy that you have spoken over and over again. Let it refresh us, renew us, and remind us of how much you love us, Lord. We thank you that even if we turn to the left or to the right, that you'll be a voice in our heart that gives us the road to walk in your ways. Thank you for the love you have for us.